0: Happy to be joined by Fazel Buteau, SVP of Cloud and Cybersecurity at Talion IT and Cyber Solutions. Fazel has a lot of experience in cybersecurity and also has a long and successful career in many cybersecurity leadership positions. So I know this is going to be a great show with a lot of insight. Fazel, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fantastic. I'm sitting here in Boston. It's winter time. Uh, It's in the 20s, uh, so uh, we're just freezing. But that's what we do in New England. I don't know why I live here, but I do love it.
1: Well, in Houston, I think it's 46 degrees outside. The sun is out, and it's beautiful. So, uh, uh, yeah, we're definitely enjoying the weather. It's a good time of the year for us.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I always say at some point I'll get a place in Florida, but. For now, I live in New England, and that's what I do. So, well, let's jump into this. Let's start by talking a bit about your journey and how you ended up in the cybersecurity space.
1: Yeah. So, early on in my career, uh, let's call it back in the dot-com boom, the Y2K, that madness that was happening in the early 2000s, there was a lot of need for IT professionals, right? Just because the industry was booming, and you know, it was all about build and build and do cool things and do amazing things, whether it's e-commerce or what have you. And then this thing came about Y2K that oh my gosh, the world's gonna fall apart and everything's gonna Remember shut down. Remember those it's days? Yeah. Remember those days? So there was like this real threat of something bad happening, and I think that kind of what piqued my interest and in say, wow, okay, it's not about just build, build, build and go do cool things. Bad things can also happen along the way if you're not careful or if you don't design things appropriately. And then, you know, a couple of years into the dot-com bust, and I remember the uh, there's a virus called the I Love You virus that came out, which, you know, people would click on an email, the virus would spread. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. You know, everybody's so casual about emailing and sending information back and forth, but we're not as conscious when it comes to our intellectual property or our privacy and what have you. And when the I love you virus came out shortly thereafter, there was this virus called Nimda that came out, which literally shut down massive networks. I got really interested in trying to figure out, okay, someone's doing this and they're doing mm. it for fun. Back in the days, it was more for annoying and how do I help customers or people that I know my friends protect against it? And that kind of would pique my interest. So I've been in the cyber industry for over 20 years and wow. uh, that was kind of the beginning of 2002, 2003, right? And how do we get ahead of bad things that can happen?
0: Yeah, I know a lot of our listeners are just starting to get into cybersecurity. Uh, So when we talk about early 2000s, uh, some of them are being born at that point. But definitely empathize with you because I got into cyber about the same time. And uh, you know, at the time there were I don't know maybe 200 vendors total, and now there's five or six thousand vendors plus service providers. So the space has definitely exploded.
1: Yeah, it's not easy to navigate this space. And for some of the younger audiences, right, don't have to go that back. I mean, I myself was 18, 19. I remember that I happened to be in the career early. So yeah, the advice is just look at what's happening around you. There's something always exciting that you can make make a career out of, right? And I know we're going to touch that. Uh, yes. But even if you fast forward and you look at past seven or eight years and when ransomware started becoming a big thing, right? That just put a totally different spin on cybersecurity. And uh, that was another accelerator. Let's just say in the career journey, trying to figure out. Wow, now people are not doing it for fun. Now it's to make money off of it. It's an industry. How are we going to help against? You know, protect customers against that. So.
0: Exactly. So I know you feel really strongly about finding your why, and you really think that's one of the keys uh, to career success. Can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, look. We all go in life different phases, right? When you're in your, your late teens, your your why is well, I gotta go get into the best college or trying to find the right career path because I want to buy that car or I want to be able to be self sufficient because you know my parents are saying, "See you later. You're 18 now, move on." So your why is very much focused on getting a job or or doing a little you know a hustle that you can perhaps if you're an entrepreneur and you. Uh, And it's mostly tied to finances, right? Stability, which comes with finance. And I get it, right? And that's a perfectly okay why, by the way. That is absolutely okay. Nothing to be ashamed about. That's what you want to do. You want to be stable because you can do bigger, better things once. You don't have to worry about your utility bill. But I think as you move on in your career journey, as you go from an early career professional to a mid-career professional I think the why becomes more important because it's not just about the finances. It's not just about, you know, you've got a nice car, a nice house and, and what have you, and you're doing well if you're working hard. Then the why becomes important because, you know, this notion of job satisfaction only happens when you're actually truly enjoying what, what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Work is hard. I won't say that work is always fun and, oh my gosh, you're gonna have a great time at work all the time. No, you won't. You'll have some terrible days, some crappy days, you're going to have to, you know, dust yourself up, get up and go. But if you know that whatever you're doing, whatever industry you're a part of, you're actually making an impact, perhaps for your kids, your future generation or the world overall. I just think that why is so powerful, right? And you, you'll get, I believe you get that over time. You don't get it. No 18 year old kid says, I know my why. It doesn't work like that. Right. But I think, you know, I would say probably in your thirties, right? Here you are. You've kind of checked up the basic boxes. You've got to know your why. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that why it could be, it could be that you want to make a difference in the world. It could be that you're trying to do something for your future generation, for your friends, for your colleagues, right? I think that's important because that's when you truly will be motivated to keep pushing yourself and to keep growing. Because if it's about how much money we have in the bank, that's such a, it gets boring over time. And it just, it's a matter of keeping score. Uh, yeah. Someone will always have more money than
0: you. I was going to say, there's never enough, right? There's exactly.
1: never enough.
0: So, well, I think that's great advice. The finding your why in your career is the is the purpose, right? What is the thing that's going to get you up in the morning? And it and it's not uh, just dollars, especially for those early in your career. You think that is because you don't have it, but uh, you know every step of the way. I think finding bigger purpose. You got a situation today where uh, nothing to do with my job, and I'm helping a friend's son get a job and I happen to know the VP of sales so I could, and I tell you what, that I'm more excited about that than than I am about the sales team had closed the deal and that, that is, you know, my primary job. So to your point, you know, finding the why and what you do every day makes a difference, makes it more fulfilling.
1: Ab- so absolutely. And I, like I said, I, I think it's perfectly okay to go hustle, make some money, get a nice yes. car, buy a, I, do it. I am a big proponent of that. So don't, yeah. don't. Don't think I'm sitting here thinking, oh, it's not important. It's <laughs> absolutely very important. Right. But you've got to then kind of think about it. So, if I have all that, what am I doing here? Am I making yeah. an impact uh, for the betterment of the society or the world of the future generations? I mean, those yeah. are things you got to think about.
0: No, I think that's awesome advice. And thank you for sharing. Uh, so, you also told us that you think staying successful in tech means reinventing yourself every three years. What did you mean by that?
1: Uh, it's uh, you know, funny, I, I talk to my physician friends all the time, right? Uh, they always complain how long the journey is to become a doctor or a surgeon and, and how they have to like stay up to speed, that they're always on call and you know yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, man, you have no idea about the life of an IT professional, of what really on-call means. And you know when disaster happens, the data centers go down or security even happens and how can't get the $10 million PO because the email is down. I mean, I, it's, it's a different kind of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then, you know, we kind of compare parallels about learning and, you know, there's always new innovations that are happening. I think when I when I say that you have to reinvent yourself, and this is not just applicable in tech, I think it's probably in all the, uh, in the world is true from your career standpoint. But especially in tech, things are changing very, very fast. And they have been. It's nothing new. Perhaps the pace of change is is much faster now than it was 20 years ago. But now it's like, you know, some things are fad, but there's some new trends that develop pretty quick, Right. And if you believe that, oh, I, I, I will know X and this knowledge is good enough for me to go carry myself for the next 10, 15 years, probably, but as time goes on, you will, you know, it will get commoditized. It will, that whatever knowledge that you have will become common, right? And that skill might be readily available. It might be outsourced and offshore in some other developing economies, right? If you don't, when I say reinvent yourself, meaning look to disrupt yourself from within, and challenge yourself and say, "Okay, I already know this, but what's coming next? What am I going to do three years from now? What's happening in the world of cyber? What's happening in the world of AI? And what is all this meta and and VR talk and the impact of it in our lives? Like, if you're not thinking about that stuff and reading and educating yourself, you're going to do yourself a disservice because mm-hmm. one of these trends, one of these things, will become real and they'll hit you and they'll be really big. And if you're not part of it, to capitalize on it, to take advantage of it, then you missed out on something. So that's kind of what I mean by reinventing yourself is the chances are, if you are an ambitious person, every three years or so, in my opinion, you should be doing something different and newer. You get to use your previous experiences, but but you got to be able to say, what is next, right? Complacency in tech is the worst thing you can do. I mean, you'll yeah. be irrelevant. You'll be a dinosaur. And you'll extinct because look at all these big companies that don't exist anymore. Why? Because they couldn't reinvent. Why could they? I mean, look at Fortune 500. Compare the list 20 years ago to now, especially in tech. Biggest right. names like Nortel. Where is Nortel today? They're nowhere yeah. to be found. Yeah. So there's so many examples like that. So big companies and enterprises can disappear. I can assure you, you will be irrelevant if you don't reinvent
0: yeah, yourself. I think again, n- another piece of great advice that I absolutely implore people to listen to and this isn't about like thinking oh well, I'm in my 20s I don't have to worry about that you can start your career in your 20s and by 28 be literally obsolete because technology is changing that that quick so i dissuade people from getting into never mind cybersecurity it in general if you don't want to be a you know a fervent learner and love the dynamic nature of it i know you and i are very much alike in that we love the dynamic we love the change but if you're looking to put A to B for the rest of your career, it's like maybe teacups is a better industry because this is just constantly, constantly changing. So I think that reinvent yourself every three years is, is a well-said statement for sure. I've talked a lot about the importance of networking on my podcast. In fact, I just did an episode uh, and shared some thoughts on networking after pandemic because I think people have to remember how to do that. So what advice would you give to people about networking?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's an overused term. Oh, you got to network, you got to network, you got to network. Parents are telling you that your college counselor is telling you that Your you know, whatever your buddy is telling you that find a mentor network. And I think, uh, and I got young nieces and nephews and, and, you know, colleagues, uh, kids that I mentor. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, look, it doesn't mean networking means you got to just go to a party in an event and like ask for a job or like, you know, because the chances are in a big event, you're trying to go get yourself introduced to an executive or a leader uh, in their space. Uh, There's like 30 others like you that are trying to do the same thing. And and they're not going to remember who you are and what you're talking about. So that's like the wrong kind of networking, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, you go to socials, you make make other smarter friends that you can learn from because you got to keep in the company of people that are, in my opinion, smarter than you and more successful. Absolutely. You go do that by socializing and attending. But, you know, don't take networking as a task where it's like a project. It's not like, oh, I need to get to know 50 people on LinkedIn and meet 20 people, I have a different perspective on it. You know, to me, networking is about allowing yourself to build your own brand in a unique way where people are attracted towards you, right? For example, maybe you're passionate about a social cause, you know? Maybe you think that you want to work on world hunger, you want to work on uh, minorities' rights or women or whatever. Pick things that you believe in and that drives you, right? The chances are there are other successful people that also have similar passions than you, right? Just go volunteer, go participate in that activity. That's more natural networking because now you're clicking on someone not at a job fair, not at some industry conference, right? You're now perhaps participating in a common passion that a CEO might have, or an executive from another company might have, or a successful entrepreneur might have. And that bond, that connection, which is not about hey, can you help me get a job? it's very different. It's going to pay you a whole lot more dividends. So in my opinion, I think it's get your brand out there, not so you're trying to land a job. It's because get yourself known, right? And it doesn't have to be an industry related event. It could be certain nonprofits that you feel passionate about. And I feel like, you know, you could be really successful there, right? So anyway, just a little bit of advice, but yeah, without a doubt, you don't get a job or Just by having a great resume or GPA of 4.0 doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah, no. You got to know people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I always take it uh, exactly the same way you're saying it. And I say it's about meeting friends. Like, don't think about, you know, what's in it for you in these conversations. It's what can you do for that person? How can you enrich their lives or how can you help them if you take that approach and go out and say, hey, I'm going to go to a cocktail party, or I'm going to go to a business networking event. But if you go there thinking, hey, how can I help everybody that's there? Well, man, you'll have 50 people or 10 people, whatever, trying to help you. If you go there just trying to take, well, okay, that's an aspect of it. Maybe you can pick up a couple of crumbs, but if you want to really go there and, uh, you know, expand your network, I think it's about giving and just purely making friends and not trying to get to that punchline of the moment, but just trying to expand it. I,
1: no, you're, I, you're spot on there, right? I mean, because 99% of the people there are to take. If you're going to be that 1% that's there to give, perhaps talk to the organizers and say, hey, I would like to volunteer at the next event. How can I help yeah. out? Maybe I'll be at the yeah. registration desk. I mean, the chances are those people will get to introduce them, this man, This <laughs> kid's really bright. And he or she came in and did X, Y, Z. You're absolutely yeah, spot on, right? Absolutely. Be different.
0: No, uh, fantastic. So, last question. In the prep for uh, this episode, we talked about the ROI of cybersecurity careers, and you said the success story hasn't been told yet. What are your thoughts on the ROI of a career in cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, first of all, I think I, I believe, when I've seen it. It's a very lucrative career, right? I know we talked about finding the why and higher purpose, yeah. but you know, especially if the listeners are. Trying to get in the industry, age doesn't matter, right? They
0: probably have student loans and things they got to pay for. So yeah, exactly. Like align if it you to a job loan, that can help you do that, right?
1: Uh, yeah, or you could be working at you know XYZ doing whatever. Perhaps you're doing Uber deliveries. Perhaps you're doing some other work, which is hard work, and I get it and I respect it. And you're like, listen, like, what if I put this effort into something else? Let me tell you, cybersecurity is a very lucrative career, and it's got a very quick path to success. Provided you do the right things and put in the effort, mm-hmm. right? For example, I mean that's the beauty of our industry in IT and cyber, right? Your college degree could be in I don't know arts and literature, and that's fine, right? It shows discipline that you went to college, invested the money, and whatever, right? But you don't have to have a mechanical engineering or a certain engineering degree to get into IT, right? Our industry is filled with certifications, industry certifications, right? Because academia is typically behind catching up to what's already out there in the in the technology, right? So when I talk about it being success stories not being told, I mean, I know uh, and personally I've helped people get on a path, get a few cybersecurity certifications, watch some YouTube videos at night, attend some classes that they're taking from people that are teaching online courses now with COVID. Everybody's kind of teaching virtual classes who have totally transformed themselves in six months where they had no idea about IT or cybersecurity, right? But they did the right kind of certifications, a few of them, couple, three entry-level ones, they watched some YouTube videos, they understood concepts, someone took a chance on them. Let me tell you that the employment need is massive in the world of cyber. There's negative unemployment. And it's continue, it will continue to be like that, right? The government's spending so much money on it, the private institutions need more cyber professionals. So I promise you, if you go out there and get some certs done, put in some effort, go watch some videos, learn some, take some classes. Your path to making that six figures or that 150, 20,0, 300 thousand dollars a year. Absolutely. I will tell you, there's there's stories where people started five years ago and they're making over two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yes. They knew yes. nothing about cybersecurity, but yes. within five years they're doing it. And I, I'm not making it up. But okay. I mean, I, there's many of those success stories that exist today. Take advantage of it. This is a moment. Mm-hmm.
0: For sure. Well, well said. I just think, you know tons and tons of great advice here, and I I'll just pile on to this last point. I mean, we launched ThreadX Academy. Which is 140 hours of the latest, greatest cybersecurity training. Very little to do with ThreatX, the company I'm the CEO of for that exact purpose. It's our give back to the community. And it's because we see a massive shortage of people and we wanted to just be another avenue for people to get that training. So yeah, I mean, whether it's ThreatX Academy or whether it's, you know, N number of other programs, there's just tons of training out there. You know, I think you can be really smart to get training for a little to no money, and then be smart on a couple of the certs that you get. Get some guidance for which ones you can get, and start your career. I mean, we we have one of our you know we have so many great employees here, but uh, one in particular came from Best Buy, and that person was on the Geek Squad. So you know, it took some initiative, but also spent the money to get the some certifications. And on average, when we open a position, an entry-level position, sometimes we get like thousands of applications. And the reason that this person's uh, application bubbled up was uh, some of the certifications that they got. And when they joined the company, we ended up reimbursing them for the certifications. But to your point, it's out there. Even with the macroeconomics and hyperinflation, are we going to be in a recession there's still a lot of opportunities. I, I will say it can be a little bit hard and depressing for people that are trying to break in, but please keep the persistence up. And I know you know, that there's got to be a, a slightly different perspective of us as hiring managers to lower our, not our standards, but the bars that we set so that we say entry level, but yet we ask for, you know, 40 certifications and this and that, which is obviously that's not an entry level person, but, uh, but I do think that there's a, there's a great opportunity uh, for those that want to join the uh, fight and we need them. You know, there's, I think the last Gartner numbers, 1.3 million open positions worldwide, and that number is only expected to grow. So it's a great opportunity for people to join the fight, which is why we've got the podcast here today to help people do that. So thank you.
1: Kudos to you guys for starting the ThreadX Academy and You know, that's fantastic that you're doing that. And there are other institutions that are doing that. I mean, us as an employer, if you go Callian's career page, go look at it. I mean, there's no shortage of of good, talented people we need. And when we say entry level, it doesn't mean that you don't know anything and you can come up and and demand X and get a job. Yeah, yeah, of course. we. You know, I always say, show me what you got. Have you really worked towards sacrificing your time, not playing PS5, and getting some certifications. If you can prove that to me, I promise you will give you a chance, right? But if you just want a job so we can teach you everything, it doesn't work that way. It's just a two-way thing. So even though we say there's massive need, yeah, employers are always going to be selective because we want to hire people that are driven, that have proven that they actually mean business and they're serious about this. So do the right things. There's plenty of employers like Gene and I who are looking to hire.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. well, thank you, Faisal, for joining us today. Another great episode. and You were an awesome guest, so thank you. And uh, for our listeners, uh, just another plug on ThreadX Academy. We are offering right now one-year free content for all of our training. If you go to academy.threadx.com, and after you sign up, put in the um, promotion code podcast, uh, you can get one year free of the content. So please take advantage of that. And uh, thank you again for your time. And uh, I appreciate you being a guest on the Executive Security Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It was fantastic to you.
0: All right. Thank you.